0: For British climbers of the 1920s and 30s, Everest was, quite simply, our mountain. It didn't matter that it was over 4,500 miles away, on the border of two of the most remote countries in the world, countries that weren't even part of the British Empire. To paraphrase the poet Rupert Brooke, it was a foreign field that would be forever England. The British had measured it, named it, photographed it, flown over it, and died on it. And so they assumed that one day a British mountaineer would be first to its summit. Everest was measured in the mid-nineteenth century. It stood in the middle of the Himalayas, on the border of Nepal and Tibet, and, like many mountains, marked both a physical and a political boundary. Even though none of the surveyors ever set foot on its slopes, the great trigonometric survey of British India was able to measure its height with astonishing accuracy, from observation points over 100 miles away. They estimated it to be 29,002 feet, 27 feet shorter than the current official height. Breaking with convention, instead of retaining its local name, Mulungma, they christened it Mount Everest, in honour of George Everest, a former chief surveyor, Good geographer that he was, George Everest was not so keen on this act of cartographic piracy, but the name stuck. At about the same time, the sport of mountaineering was growing in the European Alps. British climbers were very competitive, making first ascents of many peaks in Switzerland and France, and in 1857, establishing the world's first mountaineering society, the Alpine Club. Within a few years, most of the high mountains of the Alps had been climbed, and the more enthusiastic mountaineers had begun to look further afield for new challenges. In 1895, Alfred Mummery led a small expedition to Nanga Parbat in modern-day Pakistan, the ninth highest mountain in the world. His pioneering attempt ended in disaster, when he and two Gurkha assistants were killed by an avalanche. Albert Mummery's death did not act as deterrent. Soon thoughts turned to Everest, the highest mountain in the world, and therefore the greatest prize. For men like Lord George Curzon, the Viceroy of India between 1899 and 1905, climbing Everest was almost a national duty he called Britain the home of the mountaineers and pioneers par excellence of the universe, and actively campaigned for a British expedition under the auspices of the Alpine Club and the Royal Geographical Society, which was set up in 1830 to promote exploration and advance geographical science. The two organisations joined forces to create the Everest Committee, to administer and raise funds for a British expedition. Initially, it was hard to get permission from either Tibet or Nepal. Both, in theory, were closed kingdoms, which refused to allow foreigners to cross their borders. But such was Britain's military power and prestige in the region, that eventually the Tibetan government agreed to allow a British team to make the first reconnaissance of the north side of Everest in 1921, and so began what Sir Francis' young husband called the Epic of Everest. The reconnaissance expedition came back with mixed news. Everest was isolated, awesome and intimidating, but not totally impossible. In 1922 and 1924 there were two large-scale attempts on the mountain. Both followed the same route to the northern side of Everest via India and Tibet. Both were remarkably successful, considering their very primitive equipment. In 1922 George Finch and Captain J. G. Bruce reached 27,300 feet, and in 1924, Edward Norton reached 28,140 feet, less than 1,000 feet from the summit. When two British climbers on the same expedition, George Mallory and Andrew Irvin, disappeared close to the top, there was speculation.